chapter 5 and verse 13. I pray that all of you had a blessed Christmas. And I know that you will all have a blessed new year. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 5 verse 13. As we come to the concluding message of our series, Let There Be Light. We have talked about how Jesus is the light of the world. And apart from Him, there is no light for the world. In spiritual terms, the world lives and dwells in darkness, apart from the light of Christ. Jesus shines light on sin that He might make it righteousness. He shines light on sickness so that He can make it whole. He shines light on brokenness so that he can mend it. He said, I am the light of the world and he who walks with me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. But now in this passage, he turns the table on us. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Father, we thank you this morning for the presence of the Holy Spirit and for the assurance that we have that you are with us. I pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts by your word, that you would cause us in this moment to receive the challenge of your commission to us as saints to be light in this world. And I pray where there is darkness that we would boldly proclaim the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray your anointing upon my life as I preach and upon the lives of every hearer. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. 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 You may be seated. And uh, we thank the Lord for this opportunity this morning. Before I go to the text, I want to mention two things. This Thursday evening at 8 o'clock, we will be having a night of worship. And we're going to end the year in uh, worship and in praise to God. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of that. No better place to begin a new year than at the house of the Lord. The blessing of God begins at the house of God. The scripture said that even a sparrow found a place to lay her nest in the house of the Lord. And so I want to encourage you to be here at 8 o'clock on Thursday evening. We're going to have a watch night service. If you've never been to watch night service, it means we keep watch until the morning comes, all right? So, at, uh, well, I'll dismiss you at midnight, but uh, uh, we're going to be worshiping God, hearing the word. I believe the Lord's given me a word for that night, and so I ask for your prayers, but I want you to be here to hear that word and to receive what God is saying to the church. Can I get an amen? amen. Next Sunday will be the first Sunday of a new year, all right? And I have challenged you to make a decision to be in church 52 Sundays next year. You say, Pastor, that's all the Sundays in the year. Bingo. You got it right. You uh, are being challenged to be in the house of God every Sunday next year. Why? Because Sunday is the Lord's day. 
It belongs to him. Somebody said the NFL owned a day of the week. I'm sorry, they don't. God owns all the days of the week, and that this day in particular belongs to him. It doesn't belong to football or anybody else. It belongs to God. And uh, we might as well be very honest about that, all right? Uh, we uh, need to re- be reminded from time to time that this is the day of the Lord. All day long, it's the day of the Lord. There are no amens in God's house. So next Sunday is the first Sunday, and I want you to be here, and I want you to bring somebody with you and start the year off right, and then be here the Sunday after that and the Sunday after that. You say, Pastor, what if I go out of town? Last time I checked, there are churches in other cities, so you can go to a church out of town when you're out of town, all right? But make a commitment in your heart, I'm going to be in God's house. I'm going to hear God's word. I'm going to worship God because the first day of the week is his. And we uh, are his people. John said, I I, I saw the Lord on the Lord's day. Now, what a glorious thing it is to be able to be in God's house. Uh, I know that there are many people who come for counseling sometimes. And you know, the very thing they need counseling about, I just preached about that previous Sunday. And God was trying to speak to them, but they overslept, they stayed home, they watched football, and they missed what God had to say. But you guys are smarter than that. You came to God's house this morning, and you are in the right place to be able to hear what God wants to say to us. So next Sunday, first Sunday, don't stay home, come to church, bring somebody with you, and let's begin 2016 with God's blessing, all right? Is that an amen? Jesus has turned the tables on us. He said, you are the light of the world. We've been talking about the fact that he's the light, but now he says, you're the light. He's saying, I have put you in the world as light to the world. And we know that we live in a world of darkness. There is a reality of darkness that is uh, seemingly prevailing. I know that this year as I have, I have watched and observed what's going on in our city of Beeville, I think sometimes, what is going on in Beeville? It seems like the darkness is winning. It seems like the darkness is multiplying. It's becoming dark, or darker and darker. And there is a reality of darkness. And you can be sitting in church and be living in the dark. Because... The light comes when you receive Christ. I remember one day I arrived at a church in Houston. The man that greeted me at the door, uh, I was the guest speaker. He welcomed me. He said, "Uh, Brother Isaac, I want to tell you a story. I said, all right. He said, the very first time you preached in our church, he said, I was mad at you. I was very mad at you. He said, I wanted to beat you. I said, well, I'm glad you didn't, brother. I'm glad you overcame the flesh. He said, I was sitting on the front pew, and I was so enraged. By what you were saying, that I wanted to run on the, on the platform and beat you. He said, but when I tried to get up, some, it felt like somebody sat on me and I couldn't move. And I remember what the Bible said, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and defends them. But that man was sitting in church and he was walking in the dark. Religion can't bring you light. And I'm going to say something very controversial to some of you, but I'm I'm, uh, often saying controversial things, so it shouldn't be too surprising to you. But Muslims are not the light of the world. All right, I said it. 
Buddhists are not the light of the world. Jesus said those who followed him were the light of the world. So guess what? If the church doesn't shine, there's no light in the world. If believers are not the light, there is no light in the spiritual darkness of our world. And this is what Jesus is referring to. In fact, if you read this text in the Greek, the emphatic is literally saying, you are the only light in the world. There is no light outside of Christ in man, in the heart of man. There is no light in religion, no matter what religion it is, no matter what what claims it may have, no matter how much money it might possess. There is no light outside of the light of Christ. And when you and I know Jesus and we walk with him as believers, we are the light of the world. The atheist is not the light of the world. The, the believer is the light of the world. And not just everyone that names the name of Jesus, not just everyone that calls himself a Christian, but those who have received Christ as their Savior and have experienced a new birth in their soul. That man, that woman has become light in the world has become light in their community, has become light wherever they go. So we need to be very clear about that, that if you're the only Christian, the only believer in your house, guess what? You're the only light. If you're the only believer in your, in your job, you're the only light. Some people might say, Pastor, I wish you would pray for me to get another job. You know, the place I work, is very dark. The people there are, are you know, they have a... a uh, they're always they're always using profanity and they're always uh, being very un, un, uh, unclean and unrighteous and they they uh, they do drugs when they're when they're not um, when they're not at work sometimes even at work I've heard some of you tell me that and you'd say I, I'd rather not work there I want to go to a better environment I want to work where there's where there's other Christians and you know what I'm gonna tell you I'm not gonna pray for that I want you to work there because guess what you're the only light they've got. You're the only light that's there. And they need you more than you understand, more than you know. Now Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And he gives us a pattern. He says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. No one lights a lamp and hides it. And instead, when you light a lamp, you light it so that there can be light in the house. He says, when the, light is lamp, when the lamp is lit, it, it illuminates the entire house. So here's the first thing I want you to know this morning is that you are the light in your home. I thought I could get an amen from that. You are the light in your home. Or maybe I should ask in this form of a question. Are you a light in your home? You know, I've met people that when they're out in public, it's yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. They're holding the door. They're very courteous, very respectful. And then they get home and they're slamming doors and they're calling, calling their children all kinds of names and they're yelling at their wife like she was nothing. And I think, whoa, what happened here? Out there on the street, so polite, so respectful at home, nothing, friend. That's being light in the street and darkness at home. But Jesus says, if you're the light, then you're going to light up your house. You're going to light up your home first. You see, where true Christianity is proven, and all of you know this, that, that true 
Christianity, a true heart change isn't tested at church. Everybody here can, can do it, right? We can all lift our hands, lift our voices, sing the songs. We can say amen. We can, we can enjoy that. We can read the passages of Scripture. But when you get home, that's where the true test comes in. Nobody who lives with you can, is going to be fooled by, by your pretending, are they? If, if somebody lives with you or you live with somebody, you'll know if they're a true believer or not. You'll know if they're tr- truly the light or not because where, where your light needs to shine the most is right there in that house. And if it's not shining at home, friend, it might as, not, it might as well not be shining anywhere because that's the place where it begins. That is the most important place. If you are a husband, your, your, your light needs to be shining toward your wife. She ought to be able to see you and see the light of God's presence in your life. If you're a wife, then your light ought to be shining on your husband. You parents, your light should be shining on your children. It begins at home. We have a young man sitting here in the church. His parents were baptized this year, but one day he gave his life to Christ, and that light started shining in his house. And before long, mom and dad came to know Jesus because there was a light that came on in the house. Somebody was the light to them. Somebody was showing them, hey, there is a new way. There's a new way to live. There's a way to live righteous and live for God. And friend, that is the, that is the very thing Jesus wants and is, is telling us in this text. He says, you're the light of the world. And when you light your lamp in your home, that's going to be the first witness to everybody else that what you have is real and genuine. I grew up in a preacher's house. And you might have heard about preacher's kids that, that they're rebellious and that they, uh, that they are, uh, reject the faith many times. And sometimes those stories are true. But when people ask me, they say, Pastor Isaac, why is it your brothers and you didn't reject the faith? Why didn't you rebel against your parents? All three of my brothers, all three of us are in the ministry. Why, did, why is it you didn't do what so many other preacher's kids do? I said, I don't really know. I, I don't have all the details. I couldn't tell you, but I can tell you this much, that my parents lived at home what they preached in the pulpit. What was lived in the pulpit was preached at home. It was, not, it was not a contradiction of life. It was the same life. The light they shed at home was the light they shed in the church. And I believe that was one of the reasons that it was not hard for us to follow the faith of our Father because we knew that He had a genuine faith because He was walking in the light and He was being a light to us at home. You see, that is a powerful difference. It is a powerful thing. Sometimes a a son or daughter may go away from home and friend, they may be out in that dark for a while, but sooner or later they're going to know that there is something at home. There is a warmth there. There is a light there that is that they need in their heart and their soul. And they're going to be drawn back to that irresistible light because you are a light in your home. So Jesus is telling us, I want you to be a light at your house. I want you to be a true believer, a man who bears fruit of righteousness at home, who loves his wife, who loves his children, who loves his dog, who loves his neighbor, a man who gives and, and who is a, 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 a reflection of God on, 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 in a man's life, in a man's heart. That doesn't mean you're perfect. That doesn't mean that you never make a mistake. That doesn't mean that you never fail. It doesn't mean that you never uh, blow it. We all do. That's what we do. We're human. We err. We mess up. We trip. We stumble. We fall. But you see, this is how your family will know. When you made a mistake and you, go, you get up and say, you know what? I blew it. I messed up. I offended you. 
I'm sorry. And when, when, they, when they have gotten up off the floor from fainting, they will know that something is different about you. Because that guy that can never say I'm sorry before, all of a sudden is saying I'm sorry. Why? Because there is a, a genuine heart difference, genuine change in your life. And this, this morning, I want to challenge you. Go into this next year and light your light at home. Light that lamp at home. I want to tell you that Kingsway Church, our, our best defense against any scheme of darkness is a strong family life. And our best defense for the family is a man and woman of God standing in that home as a torch burning brightly. It says that this is a place where God dwells, that God's presence is, is, the, is the inhabiting power of this house and this home. And when you do that, when you do that, you are setting up your life and, and your, your children to have the glow of God's presence and protection over your home. The Bible talks about Matthew. Matthew worked for the IRS in, in, um, in Israel. He was a tax collector. And one day he's collecting taxes and Jesus walks by and he says, come, follow me. I don't know what Matthew saw in Jesus, but there was something irresistible about the light that Jesus had on the inside. And he got up and he followed Jesus. He left what he was doing and he went and he followed Jesus. And the next verse tells us his story. It says that Matthew had a dinner and he invited all of his friends, his colleagues, his co-workers. He invited his family. He invited everybody he knew. And I imagine they're all sitting around the table waiting for the party to start and wondering, what is Matthew up to? I wonder what kind of jokes he's going to tell. I wonder what kind of stories he's got for us. Matthew knows how to throw a party. But, you know, they opened the cooler. There was no, there wasn't any alcohol in there. It was Dr. Pepper. Would you believe it? And, and they started noticing that things were different now. And, and so they're wondering, what is Matthew up to? Then Matthew comes to the table. He says, I, I brought you all here tonight because I want to tell you something. I want to tell you that I met a man that changed my life. He was, he, was, uh, uh, fo- he was walking through the streets. He told me, come follow me. And I followed him. And he forgave me my sins. He made me a new creature. And I believe as, as Matthew begins to share that simple story of what God had done in him, those people began to see the light shining right in the middle of his home. I wonder in 2016, will God be able to use your dinner table to bring somebody to him? Will he be able to use your living room? Will there be light? in your home that's where it begins that's where it starts and if the light is there then the light can go elsewhere if the light is at home then Jesus says let your light shine before men take it outside go throughout all the world and proclaim the goodness of God and the greatness of God in other places and so we see that we have this story of the apostle Paul he was a man who was a persecutor of the church He was a violent aggressor of the the kingdom of God. And he had gotten permits and uh, warrants to go into the city of Damascus. And he was going to arrest Christians. Now Saul would arrest the Christians. Men or women didn't matter. He would take their possessions and sell them. And the people, the Bible says, they they rejoiced for the opportunity of losing everything they had for the sake of Jesus. Haven't we come a long way uh, in the church today? But this, this group of Christians was so delighted to be persecuted for the sake of Christ. And so Paul would do all these things, Saul of Tarsus, and the Bible says one day Saul was going in hot pursuit to Damascus. He was going to do there what he did in Jerusalem. But on the way there, all of a sudden, a light struck him and interrupted his life. 
And it was a bright, a light so bright it left him blind. And he fell to the ground and he heard a voice that called him by name. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And the Bible said that he, he said, who are you, Lord? And what would you have me do? And Jesus answered to him out of that light. And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It's hard to kick against the pricks. And he, he, he became a man subject at that moment to the will of God. And, and that man became a preacher of the gospel. And one day he's standing in front of the king. And you know when he's standing in front of the king, he doesn't say, you know, king, uh, this is what I learned in philosophy class. This is what I learned in the, in the great religion, uh, uh, religious classes of, of Gamaliel. No, he says, you know what, king, this is what happened to me. It's my own story. I was going to Damascus. I saw the light. I heard the voice. And I was changed by the power of Christ. It was just a simple story, a simple testimony. And everybody there was, was com- convicted by what he had to say. But that king, he replied, he said, well, he said, you know what? I'm going to have you come back and tell me that story again at a more convenient season. He missed his opportunity. Just like so many of you have missed your opportunity. God's been calling. That king missed his opportunity. But Paul, you see, understood that he couldn't save anybody. And I want you to know that. When you let your light shine, it's no guarantee that the people are going to like what they see. Is that all right with you? It's no guarantee that people are going to say, hey, sign me up. No, many times you'll be rejected. You'll be cast aside. People will tell you you've lost it. You've gone crazy. You, uh, you, have, uh, you have signed up for boredom for the rest of your life. And, and, and there is a, a persecution that follows many times for those who let their light shine. But when you do that, it's not your job to bring anybody to saving faith in Christ. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Your job is to let your light shine. The Holy Spirit will do that job. The Holy Spirit will do the work in the heart. You can't save anybody. I can't save anybody. If I could, I would save all of you right now. And not one of you would leave this church unsaved. But I can't do that for you. The only one that can do that is that man, that woman, who says, God, I want you in my life. I want to open my heart to you. And if you will hear that, and you'll hear God's voice and respond to him, he'll come in and he'll save your life, he'll save your soul. But, but you see, Paul was not, was not afraid to let his light shine. One more example in the New Testament, a man named Philip. Philip was an evangelist, the Bible says, and we see him three times in the book of, of Acts. I want to tell you about these three times. Number one, the first time we see him, he is at a church meeting. And the church had to elect deacons. These would be the men who would serve the church in the, in the administration of the, of the meals for the widows and the orphans. This would be a very high responsibility in the church. And they elected Philip. Why? Because Philip's light was shining at church. Can I ask you a question? Is your light shining at your church? That's a good amen, but I, it could have been better. Is your light shining at your church? All right, if this is your home church, then I want to tell you something. Your light better be shining here. God has called us together. When we come into this house of worship, we come into this house of prayer, the anointing of the Spirit is that oil that keeps our lamp burning. It keeps our lamp lit. And God wants us to be a witness in our own church. He wants us to be a light in our church. Are you serving in your church? Are you being a useful vessel to God? Are you bearing fruit in your church? If this is the house God's planted you in, then bear fruit here. 
Let, let this be your decision, your commitment in this coming year. I'm going to go and make sure that my church has what it needs. That my gifts are being made available to the kingdom of God. You know, sometimes we get in our little, a little uh, a mode where we just, we just, uh, we, we, we say, you know what, there's so many hypocrites at church and, and, uh, I don't want to go to church because over there they're, they're all hypocrites. You know, when I say, What's one more, right? Just join the bunch. You know, we're all just trying to get through this thing anyway. But you see, it's not about about the hypocrites. It's about the family. You see, you have hypocrites in your family. You have some people in your family you don't really like very much. You love them with all your heart, but you don't like them very much. And yet, when they come over for Christmas, you're just glad they're there. You're glad that they're in your house. You're glad they're at your table. You see... The church sometimes is like that. We're a, we're a family. And not everybody in the family has the same gifts, the same personalities. But you see, we are all one. And when we're all together and we're all doing what God gifted us to do, all of a sudden, the church is accomplishing more than it ever could have accomplished because everybody is doing and bearing fruit in the place where they've been gifted to bear fruit. And I'm going to just be very frank with you, very forthright. Some of you in 2015 didn't, didn't do much. For your home church. He said it. He actually said it. Yeah. Now I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not going to tell you you're a bad church member. I'm not going to tell you that. You've lost your reward. God's not going to bless you. God doesn't love you. None of that's true. Because God will love you whether you do nothing for him. Or you do everything for him. God loves you if you're a tither, if you're not a tither, if you're a giver, not a giver. If you serve, don't serve. If you help, don't help. God, God's love isn't dependent on that. But he has gifted you in order to be a blessing to somebody else. Has this church been a blessing to you? All right, I'm going to give you one more chance, Kingsway, to answer that question. Has this church been a blessing to you? All right, then guess what? 2016, it's time to give back. It's time to be a blessing to Kingsway Church. It's time to bless the people who have blessed you. You know, we, when we do that, we come together. Our light, as a, it becomes a torch in our city that is glowing it, all the time. It can't be put out. But you have to, be, you have to make up your mind. I'm going I'm to be a light at home, and I'm going to be a light at church. I'm going to be that person that is faithful, that person that is committed, that person that is there through thick and thin. That, you know, it is very easy to be a part of a church when everything's going well. Some of you have been part of this church when, there, when it was about done, when there was all kinds of trouble, when there was all kinds of grief. You were here because you were a light. You were a part of this house. You are part of this family. And I commend you for that. And now as we see God bring blessing and it flourishes, aren't you glad you stuck it out? Aren't you glad you just said, God, this is where you put me. I'm going to stay. And if you and I will commit to that and say, I'm going to be a light at my church. God will bless it. God will use it. God will make it very fruitful in our heart. There is nothing more rewarding than being able to serve the body of Christ. Especially when you serve people who can't pay you back. But you know, Jesus told the, the, the parable. He said, there was a man who had planted a tree. And he came out to check on the tree. And it hadn't given any fruit. And he told the, the steward of the, of the vineyard. He said, cut it down. It's a fruitless tree. Cut it down. It's not of any use to anybody. 
And the steward said, wait, let's give it another year. If in a year he doesn't bear any fruit, then you can cut it down. But let me cultivate it. Let me, let me get in there with, with some fertilizer and let me do what I need to do to, to get this tree to, to, to bear fruit. And if in a year it hasn't borne any fruit, then you can cut it down. But let's give it one more year. I wonder today if there's any of you who would hear that and say, Lord, I don't want this to be my one more year. I want to be a person who's bearing fruit all of the time. But I believe there's somebody in here that needs to hear that. That this, this could be the year the Lord's saying, what's going on? Where's the fruit? I have brought you out of darkness into the light. I want you to bear some fruit. And he's given you this next year as an opportunity, a brand new start to say, you know what? This year's going to be different. This year I'm going to be that person that I want to be. I'm going to be that man or that woman that I have desired to be for God. Can I get an amen? Is this, is this too hard? Am I cutting too close? This is exactly what you and I need to, to be aware of, that God wants us to be a light in our church. Now, the next time we see Philip, he is on the side of a road in the desert. And a, an Ethiopian noble comes by. And the Lord says to Philip, catch up with that chariot. Now, Philip must have been an athlete. And uh, much like your pastor, he was an athlete. And he started to chase that, that chariot. And he, he's, he's running alongside of that chariot. And he looks in and he sees that the nobleman is reading the book of Isaiah. And he's reading the part where it says that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and the chastening of our peace fell upon him. And he says, Philip asked a simple question. Do you know what you're reading? Do you understand it? And the Ethiopian eunuch said, I don't understand. How can I understand unless someone teaches it to me? And Philip began to explain to him about Jesus and about the gospel. And before you knew it, that Ethiopian eunuch became a a believer. And the great church that was established in Ethiopia that has existed for more than 2,000 years was established because Philip told that Ethiopian about the gospel. And the light went all the way to Ethiopia because Philip allowed himself to be a light at his church and then outside of church. One more time we see Philip. Philip is in, uh, in the last few chapters of the book of Acts. Paul is coming through town. He visits Philip. And the Bible says that Philip had four daughters and all of them were prophetesses. All of them could prophesy. Would you like to have four, four kids who could prophesy? Would you like to have four kids in the ministry? Four missionaries? He had four daughters, all of them could tear it up when they preached. They could preach the ink off a scroll. And you know what that shows us? Philip was a light at church. He was a light on the street, but he was a light at home. And those four girls were the fruit of the fact that he had lived his life in such a way that what they saw in him was real and genuine. And they adopted it as their own. They made it their own. And I want to tell you today, this is God's commission to us. Let there be light. And he says, you're the light. So there's going to be any light in Beville. It's going to be you, Kingsway. It's going to be the church in this city. It makes up its mind to shine the light of hope in in, in a dark world. And so instead, next time when we hear about darkness in our city, we hear about murders and we hear about about drugs and we hear about an outbreak of crime in our city, 
instead of cursing the darkness, light a candle somewhere and make, make that darkness have to flee from the presence of the light. You see, it's so easy to stand there and say, oh, it's getting bad. It's really getting bad around here. It's another thing to go out there where it's getting bad and say, look, there's hope. There's an answer. There is a possibility for your life to be turned around, and it's in Jesus Christ. He's the only one that could do that. And this morning, I'm here to to be a light to you today to tell you, are you walking in darkness? Are you walking in in the shame of sin in the past? Are you walking in guilt and unbelief? Today, Jesus is calling out to you. He loves you, friend. He loves you with an everlasting and undying love. And he's saying to you, I want to change your life. I can make you new. I can make you different. His power is so great that he can make a persecutor of the church into the prominent apostle of the church. His power is so great that he can make a drug addict and make him clean and sober. His power is so great that he can turn a man who is lost in lust and greed and make him a man who is generous and kind and tender. He can turn any heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Your life is no different. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't say later, next time. Today, he calls to you. I don't know how many days he's given you. The Bible says that he has drawn a boundary line which no man can cross. There is a date set which you won't be able to cross. Are you listening, church? There is a date set which no man will be able to cross. God knows the day of your death. He knows the day of my death. And when I walk up to that line, it's over. When you walk up to that day, it's over. What's important is, what are you going to do with today? Are you going to live for him? You might as well live for him now. Are you going to honor him? You might as well honor him now. Are you going to receive his pardon and his forgiveness? You might as well receive it today. Because he has made a free offer of grace to every one of your hearts. And if you walk out of here today and you reject him, I can't guarantee you'll ever have another chance to say yes to Christ. So today... Say yes to Christ. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you'll be saved. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And if you would, just bow your heads this morning. And I want to give you an opportunity, if there's anybody in here that would say, Pastor, if I was that tree, it got cut down. I'd be cast in the eternal fires of hell. Because my soul's not right with God. God is merciful. And today he's saying to you, I want to give you another chance. Because I want you to know me. To really know me. I don't want you to just know about me, but I want you to know me. He wants you to know his love, his compassion. His grace and His power. Father, I pray right now if there's anyone in this, within the sound of my voice who doesn't know you as their Savior, that today the Holy Spirit would bring conviction of sin, of wrath, and of judgment. That there would be a committing of their life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I pray that that which happened to Paul on the road to Damascus would happen to them this morning. That their life could be transformed for the sake of their soul and the sake of their family, but also greater than that for your own glory and testimony in their lives. 
I pray in Jesus' name. And I ask you to do that for your name's sake, God. If you'd say, Pastor Isaac, this morning, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to make the decision that I've been putting off. I need to be a follower of Christ. I want His light in my life. Right where you are, if that's you, just raise your hand. If you say, Pastor Isaac, I need to know Christ as my Savior. Amen. Anybody else? How long will you put it off, friend? How long will you say tomorrow? Today is your day. Now is the acceptable time. If that's you, just lift your hand right where you are. I want to pray with you. If you have raised your hand, I want to ask you to do something. Would you come and stand with me in this altar? I want to pray with you. One of the elders will pray with you. I want to lead you in a simple prayer. I promise we won't embarrass you. Just a moment or two more if you'll come. This is your moment. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. I want to give you a moment or two more. I'm going to pray with those who come forward. Church, would you just pray with us? Raise your voice. If you would, just pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner and I deserve judgment. But this morning, I fall upon your mercy. I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to give me a new life. Cleanse me and make me whole. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that he rose from the dead to give me eternal life. And today by faith, I receive his forgiveness and I make him Lord and master of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me.